As today's technology blows away the sands of time, we are digging deeper into the secrets of these mysteries. Welcome to the PowerShell Podcast, the podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. Far more powerful than all the others. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey everybody, welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm mediocre host Jordan with ultra mega superstar Andrew Plaw. Uh, today our guest is none other than Doug Fink, which I've been excited about this one for a while. Uh, there's too many accolades to go through in just an intro, so I'm just gonna, I guess, let you take it over, and then we'll just sit there and praise you for an hour, if that's okay. <laughs> well, that sounds like a, yeah, that sounds great. I haven't had that uh, for a long time, getting praised for an hour. Well, thank you first of all for having me on. I really appreciate you inviting me. I've been watching your uh, podcast, and I've been watching pieces and seeing who you've had on, and actually a couple of people on Discord poked me and they said, "Hey, you should talk to these guys and." You should get on and talk about some things. I was like, okay, I'll see. I'll see. And then within a, within a week or so, you reached out to me and said, hey. And I was like, okay, the universe is making it happen. So that's fine. So where do you want to start? Well, I think that one way that our audience is massively familiar with you is through every single week. We have these questions that we ask. And uh, you might know what they are, but we're not going to spoil them for you. But very frequently, your module import Excel, and I mean very frequently, um, probably the most common module is mentioned. And you are the author of that module, the person responsible. So maybe starting there, um, letting our people know about the module, kind of where it came from, what it does, and how they can get started. Awesome. Sure. I, I, I love talking about import Excel. Um, so uh, where did it start? Well, I think recently I looked back and I think one of my first commits to the GitHub repo on import Excel was like around 2015, um, which kind of blows my mind. And uh, what it does is, is it, I emulated import CSV and export CSV. And I was like, those are really cool. I'd like to have something that works like that with Excel. And uh, so I, I modeled it after that. And then I went through many iterations. So even though I checked it in in 2015, I was working... I was playing with ideas for years, uh, a couple of years before that. Um, so, and what it does is it, it's able to work, create, read, uh, and update and delete. So the standard CRUD process on Excel sheets, and you can do it without having Excel installed, which is really a cool feature. So if you want to do things like run it against servers and get information about whatever, you can actually run it create the file, put it on a share, and then it's available to anybody in your organization or to people outside the organization. You can then take that XLSX that gets created. You can email it around. Um, I used to use it on, I used to write Azure uh, function, not use, I, I write Azure uh, functions in PowerShell. It works up there. And then I use Twilio or I use SendGrid to email it out, these things out to people. And then you have complete control, not complete, I'm lying hyperbole. So you have a lot of control where you can create charts and pivot tables and filterable uh, tables. Um, and you can customize the look and do all kinds of good stuff, create tons of sheets within one. And then again, you can distribute this thing any, any way you want. So uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell. In a nutshell, that sounds amazing. I mean, for free as well, right? Like this is not something that costs money and it gives you the power to create things for Excel, which is a paid uh, product. For free, that's that's a sore point, yes, but sir. that is correct. This is a free a free module. Um, currently, it has over two million downloads on the PowerShell gallery. Um, it's got a few thousand, a couple thousand stars up on GitHub. Um, 
I've had, I get emails on a regular basis, privately people using it saying why it's great. Um, I, I get the combination of, you know, the accolades. And then I always get the one person that says, just sends me an email and goes, how would I do this, this, and 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 this. And it's like, oh, you want some professional services for free too. <laughs> um, so it becomes like an, it's an interesting challenge, but it's also the same thing happens on the GitHub repo. Some people get on there and it's, I think it's kind of funny. They go, I'm having a problem. I'm getting this error. And then I have to go through the standard. I don't have something on my GitHub where it says, tell me the version you're using, what version of PowerShell, what's your problem, post, post an example of what you're trying to do. So I have to go through that all the time. But it's kind of funny that, you know, sir, you can tell a certain level of experience that people have in the industry, especially with open source software, where it's just like, oh, I'm just going to get up on a thing, type some stuff, and magically overnight, I'm going to get answers from somebody. Like, you know, like I'm not doing other things in my life. But it's that it's all worth it because you learn, it teaches you lots of different things, and it teaches you how to write better code because people do come back with issues that maybe an error message or a better message can actually help guide them and solve lots of support calls. Um, anyway, so. Interesting. I mean, it sounds like there's some room for improvement in your uh, issue submission process. Are you <laughs> open to pull requests if anyone has any anything to contribute? I'm open to all pull requests. Um, because that means yes you can do a pull request and then we can discuss it and i may or may there are people come back and they they come up with all these elaborate hey we this should be doing this and this and this and this and this and um and i'll have a discussion or and say well I, we need to consider these aspects we need to write these kind of pester tests to make sure that the product continues to work that it's backward compatible and then as soon as you start adding those pieces to it um everybody people start to bow out like, oh, I didn't realize it was all that kind of work. Um, but yeah, I'm open to those kind of, you know, anybody wants to PR it. I have a discussion board open for people come in and they talk about how they use it, why they use it. Uh, it's less of an issue process. Uh, it's kind of like taking from Stack Overflow. Tons of questions on Stack Overflow about the module, which I don't really spend a lot of time on Stack Overflow, um, especially since I got ChatGPT, but that's a different discussion. And um, yeah, so... As with all my modules, they're always open for PRs. Love having, I, I put things up. In fact, it's kind of funny why, you know, people go, I, I'm sure, I think you had, you had Adam Driscoll on, but I'm sure you know who he is. And Adam did a, he was doing a module Monday series. I'm not sure if it was last year or two years ago. And he did a walkthrough of my import Excel module. And the first comment that he had is like, I would rename this from import Excel to Excel plus plus. And the two things with that is one, GitHub doesn't take pluses in the name, so you can't do that. And the second thing is the reason it's called Import Excel is like when I build something, when I think it's really cool, I will then publish it and put it up on GitHub because I want the people in the community and I'll go out and reach out to certain people and go, hey, check this out. It's 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 working, it's got this capability. Give me, you know, just let's have some chats about it. And when I put this out, the whole intention was that it was just gonna read Excel. And then it's all of a sudden it took on a life of its own. And I was like, Yeah, I don't feel like renaming it. So anyway, but um, so import Excel is the name and it does a ton more than, than you, and I've been building it for, again, like a number of years and there have been some amazing people in, in the community and a, a shout out to James O'Neill. I don't know if you know him. He's not, he's around, but he's, so he's, uh, he used to work at Microsoft. He's, he did some really excellent module. He didn't work on the PowerShell team and, uh, after about a year or two, I was working on this. He would email me 
and I knew of his work. We know each other digitally and I knew of his work and he would say to me and he would threaten, Doug, I'm going to check some stuff in. that's going to really make this thing cool. And I'm like, please go ahead. And you're one of the first, you're one of the people I won't even discuss. I'll just take the PR. And at some one point he did. And then basically for like a year or so, we collaborated on a whole bunch of different pieces for it. Um, but there's been a lot of people who contributed to the module and done some, added some really, really cool pieces to it. So, yeah. I think James also wrote a couple of blogs on his WordPress about using it where he shows some real in-depth stuff. A absolutely. And that's what James is, uh, is really amazing at like he and I, he and I go way back. I shouldn't even say this out loud, but I'm going to, I think, so my daughter is in her, her she's, she's in her early thirties and, um, I've worked, I've known Excel longer than my daughter. So it's, um, and, and Jane and I've, you know, and I've used it from being a novice to whatever. And when you get two guys or two people in a room who know Excel, the first thing you do is saying, well, how many shortcut keys do you know? You know, and it's like, it becomes a competition and it, they have competitions like this to a degree out there. And James, not only does he know the shortcut keys, he knows what he's like, he used to work at Microsoft. So it's like, he knows stuff like, where did you, how do you even find that? And then when we get into the module, he knows things about the underlying object model of Excel. I never, like I used to do VBA and Excel. And so I've, I learned a lot that way. Um, and that's what helped me build the PowerShell stuff. And then he comes up with like another set of angles that just are to me incredible. But yeah. Bef I'm kind of curious as to how it actually works. But before we get into that, what are some common uses? Like say somebody has been discovered the module using it a little bit. What's the first way that you see people have their eyes lit up by the power of uh import Excel? Is it creating reports for the first time, reading from things? Like what are some common tasks you're seeing people have success with? Great question. Um, the, the, the key six, the, the key ways that people do is, and I see this all, I, and I get on, on Twitter. It's kind of funny because I see people go, Oh, I just dropped off a CSV file with my boss and I let him open up an Excel and then he's off to the races. And I always go back in and I'll say, you should try export Excel. It works exactly how your export CSV works. And then you have a full range of capabilities and you can add a lot, a couple of pieces. And they usually say, well, that's above my pay grade. Or they go, ah, let them handle it. And I go, well, if you look at these couple of things and I'll say, you know, put filtering on a table, make it colorize just the table itself, do zebra striping. And that's like two parameters. I'm like, you not only will you save them from having to save it, the CSV as an XLSX, which is a separate set of steps, it'll be ready to go and you can give them all these extra features and then you can add a chart. And uh, they'll, they'll like give me like the hand wave, like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then a month later, I'll get a tweet from them going, wow, I did that. Oh, and I'll add, if you do that, you might even see yourself getting a raise. Or you might get, your, your boss is going to be really impressed with your capabilities. And sure enough, within a couple of weeks to a month, people get back to me and they say, yeah, I tried it out. It's really simple to use. And my boss was beyond impressed. I'm like, I want to hear more. Well, that's what the above my pay grade drives me nuts because the, there's two sides right you don't want to be taken advantage of by the company but the other side is if it's something where it's that that visible and that automatable is that even a word it, it I, is I'm, gonna run, I'm gonna run with it <laughs> if it's that then just do it to help your career out like you're they're not taking advantage of you at that point you're just adding extra value and showing uh i guess ex worth exactly you're bringing value to the table 
In a huge way. And you said just a small couple of things that you need to add to your commands to give it that extra little oomph. You are so correct. And it goes such a long way, right? It's communication 101. When you actually tailor your message for the audience, they're more likely to hear it and respect it and blah, blah, blah. It goes for language and also with reports. Um, and I'll just say for me personally, Import Excel was monumental in me going from being like someone who's successful on an IT team doing PowerShell to someone who's creating reports for different departments where they're consumable and we can automate business processes. And it is such an empowering thing. I love any tool that allows you to take something from PowerShell and present it in some other way uh, outside of PowerShell, like an Excel sheet. Um, oh, that's, that's really cool to hear as well. There's one thing on the, on the export Excel, which I like also, and that came from a, a colleague a bunch a long time ago. He was demoing it for people in his organization. And he was like, you know, Doug, it'd be really great if, if I could just take some data that's already an object array and just export it to Excel without having to specify any parameters. And it just does a bunch of cool stuff. So if you, in fact, take some data like, you know, get service and you just say pipe it to export Excel, it creates a temporary file for you and applies about 10 different options on it out of the box. It'll create a table, it creates so you can filter the data and it creates auto name ranges and a whole bunch of things you don't even, and, uh, and I was like, dude, that is, that is a great way to show. And I do that in all my demos. So I go, first up, you just grab the import CSV, pipe it to exports Excel, and you've got this colorized thing that's doing a whole, and then filtering done, it's really cool, so. Yeah. Also, shout out to worksheets, right? With Import Excel, you can have one Excel file with a bunch of different worksheets, maybe one for each office or whatever you need, which makes it really easy to programmatically loop through something, create a worksheet for each whatever, for each whatever, and um, you know, really present things that way automatically, which, oh gosh, I could geek out over this module <laughs> all day because it's so sweet. It's cool. I'm really glad you bring that up because, uh, you know, depending on who I talk to, it's usually there's a lot of basic stuff that people use. And then when they start finding out like, oh, I can add worksheets and I can add pivot tables to that worksheet or separately from that thing. And I recently, I wish I have to back out a feature I put in a few months ago. Um, I have to rework it, but you can actually now take those work. Let's say you have a, like one of my examples is you have a, uh, a sales XLSX and each tab is the month, right? So I have something that says, you can now say something on the import Excel command you can say import Excel, the name of the file, sales.xlsx, hyphen worksheet star. And what that does, it brings back a hash table. And each, each key of the hash table is the name of the, the, the sheet, and the value is all the data in it. You can also then do, say, something like hyphen, I think, raw is what I have. And what that does is it brings, it, brings back all the data from every sheet, all the rows, and it brings it back all as one giant object array. So I can look at 12 months, pull it all back in as one big object array, or I can bring it back as a hash table and have everything. And then to do something that people like say, well, how do I get all my data out of Excel and into a CSV? Well, here, here's, here's 18 characters you need to type. And you can take your 50 sheets and drop them in separately as separate CSVs, or you can drop them out as uh, one big file. So yeah, a lot of cool possibilities that you can do with this. It's like you said, this started off as just a weekend of you, you drinking. That's, that's a pretty miraculous pro, uh, product out of that. Well, you know, we, we didn't go back through my background, not that I want to, because I've been in the industry for a hundred years, right? So like I said, you know, Excel's, Excel 
for most of the people that are listening to this, it's probably older than most people listening to this is my guess. Um, and I started on the mainframe, right? So, you know, for me to hang out and have a couple of beers and start coding with, and why did I do it? So, you know, back early when, when PowerShell was out, you know, Python was out, right? So, and I was, you know, I dabbled, I dabbled more than dabbled in Python for a while. And then one of the things that I liked about Python is I can do something, I can import something called matplot, which is their, their, uh, you can do graphs and whatnot. So you can sit inside of, in Python and Python's pretty similar to PowerShell. And you can say X equals one comma two comma three in brackets. And that's an array. You can, and I have, this as one of my examples in my demos. And then you can say Y equals five comma six comma seven in brackets. Now you have two arrays. And then because I pulled in that plotting library, I can say plot X and Y, right? And then I can say show. And what does, what happens? A window comes up and it shows a graph of those X and Y coordinate of the X and Y data, right? And I always, always, always liked that. I was like, that's the kind of simplicity that I need in PowerShell. So I experimented for long periods of time with different possibilities. Jay Cole, James Brundage, um, I know you had him on. They, James Brundage wrote WPK so we could do WPF applications and do a little window pop-ups. And that was 100 years ago, about. Jay Cole did some other stuff. Both of those guys came together, wrote something called Show UI. And... Um, we, st we started, I helped, they did most 90% of their work, 99, and um, started putting graphing tools in there, right? So now, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to put those in there because I can then use it like they do in Python. And then I, as I started to play more with Excel because I wanted to have that capability, I was like, oh, I can actually use Excel's graphing capabilities in almost the same exact way, right? Drop the data in and then just do a chart and then open up the Excel chart. So it, was, it wasn't like I was building this tool. I was playing around with things that I wanted. And then it just happened to be like, oh, now I can, I'm at a certain point with it. If I put unit tests around it, I won't break things as much. And it'll be useful for me. And I never intended it to get 2 million downloads. I never, so it's a bizarre story. Challenge to our audience. Jordan, we're about to give away some swag. If someone listens to this and submits a nice PR or starts a conversation, even nothing has to be actually changed, but put forth some good effort. Maybe see what's up out there in the in the repository, and we'll send you some swag if you go through with it and hit us up at powershellpdq.com. Jordan, that's a promise, man. The shirt off your back. Go into this person. <laughs> we'll, we'll get him a new shirt, not the one I've worn. Oh, okay. Well, they might prefer the one off your back, but all right, all right. <laughs> nice. So, uh, I before we dig into your background because I do want to hear about how you got started in PowerShell. I'm curious to know, like at the base level, what are we dealing here with this module? How does it kind of how does it work? You mentioned an object model. Can you put it into the simplest terms that a PowerSheller could get? <laughs> wow, the questions are definitely getting tough. Um, I don't even think I get this. I don't even think I get that question when I do presentations. So how does it work? So Excel at its core was an object model, meaning you would, they made it so that you could programmatically say, give me a workbook, give me worksheets, give me the cells. So you can, if that makes sense, that that's the objects, right? And at a workbook level, you have certain properties on it, right? You might have the name of it, um, when it was created, who created it, that kind of stuff. At the sheet level, right? You have, well, how many rows and columns do I have in it? You know, how many out of this thing, how many cell, what's, you know, this cell, is it colorized? Does it have a background? Does it have a border, right? And then if you want inside of Excel, you can actually go in and 
programmatically deal with those granular things. Like I wanted to take cell B1 and I want to give it a, 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 a yellow background and I want to have just a border at the bottom. And the reason they, one of the reasons, the reason they did that was because they had created uh, Visual Basic for applications. So you could actually write using VBA, which I was, I, that used to be, that's what I you know, became, a, not just in Excel, but VB was, I became a consultant in years ago and last century. So um, that's the object model that you can use. And that's how you could really make another way that you could make Excel sing. So you could put all kinds of stuff in there so that when the, when the workbook opened, a VBA macro would kick off and it would do a whole bunch of things. It could rearrange the sheets. It could colorize a bunch of things, create more charts, whatever. So that's the object model. Um, so when I was, so if you look inside of PowerShell, you can do something, uh, you can do a new hyphen object. I don't, I'm sure you're familiar with that to a degree. You can do a new hyphen object and there's a parameter on there called hyphen com, uh, right? Maybe you've seen that. So I almost had to bring up a screen, uh, a, a terminal to play. So you can say new hyphen object com and then in there you can actually name the, so com is component object model. And pretty much be, back in the day, everything was a com object. Word was a com object. and. PowerPoint was a com object, and many, many other things were com objects in Microsoft's world. And you could get to those things by naming the com object text name. So you could just go, and you can do this today. You can say new space hyphen com space excel.application. That will instantiate Excel, and you can set that to a variable, right? So you can say, uh-oh, I'm, I'm giving you some tests. Some beers in the weekend is coming. So... <laughs> You can say $Excel is equal to new space hyphen com space Excel application. And now that variable $Excel has an instance of that application. Then you can say $Excel.visible equal true. That's hitting the object model. And all of a sudden, what will happen is you'll see Excel pop up with no workbook. Then you can do something like $Excel.workbook.add. And then you can start, now you can start playing around with the sheet. So early on, that was really cool back in the day when, when PowerShell made that capable, when the team built that, and you could actually, I was controlling Excel that way. The problem with that is the same thing with VBA. You watch the screen blink as cells get updated. You have to handle things like screen updating equal false, and you have to do all kinds of magic tricks to handle that. And then when you close it out, you have to make sure you save it and unmarshal it and do all this crazy stuff. And then I came across this thing. I was like, there's got to be a better way. Now, I, if you take XLSX, you may know this. If you, you can actually run WinZip or 7-Zip or, uh, on it, and you can extract. It's a zip file. XLSX is a zip file. And inside of it is a bunch of XML files that describe how the Excel spreadsheet works. So you can actually unzip that, make some modifications, rezip it up, and then it becomes the Excel file. Now, understanding the object model, understanding all the XML that supports that is a ton, ton, ton of work. And I was like, I don't want to deal with that. Um, and I kind of knew that Microsoft had a, an open source or a, a product out there. I forget. I don't remember what it was called. And I was like, well, let me go see if I can grab that. It's written in .NET. That means I can easily integrate that into PowerShell. And then I, I can actually maybe start playing around and I don't have to worry about what all the XML fields are because it's pretty complex under, under the covers. And I was like, I don't have to do that. Let me try and work it that way. And then I came across a product called EP plus EP plus, and they were a free product for a number of years. Um, and I was like, well, let me incorporate that. Let me see how far I can get by trying to create and read worksheets using this DLL 
what can I, how, how far can I create things? How much can I manipulate? And they had based it all on what the Microsoft offering. They, they were able to take that and then make it even better. And that's manipulating the XML underneath to make this stuff happen is, um, uh, is the fundamental part of the file stuff. And then I said, well, I'm just going to put all this idiomatic aspect PowerShell stuff around it to make it super easy to work with. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question. I think it does enough. I, I think I kind of get it. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And just as a note, a lot of the stuff that I've done and people in, in who've been around PowerShell for a while, this is somewhat what we do. We go out and we search out DLLs and or ways that these systems work. And as long as they're .NET capable, it's pretty easy to load them up into PowerShell. And then you have full range on it and you can do some amazing automation process. That has me wonder, because even if you don't have Excel installed on your machine, you can still pull that up in PowerShell. So the, the application is awesome. I mean, it hasn't been around this long because it doesn't do everything it does well. But is it possible to, I don't know, just bypass the need to purchase uh, Excel or is it just kind of a work together still? No, that's a great question. So yeah, so the module and how I create the files, that you don't even, you don't need Excel. You don't have to purchase Excel. You don't have to have Excel installed. It works without. The only reason you need Excel is to view it. So if you're just sitting around creating it, and in fact, there are some people that I know that uses, use the open office library, um, like the third party non-Excel versions. There are people that use this tool on Linux and they use open Libre, I think it's called. Um, you know, I don't know if they pay for that or not, but they use my stuff to create their, their pieces. And then they use the free tools to actually just view what they've actually created. Um, but yeah, you don't need Excel installed at all. I think it's why, well, I'm not going to say that, Verona. I was going to say something that could damage me, so I'm out. <laughs> but yeah, you can, you don't, Excel is not needed, which I'm sure Microsoft is not happy about. Well, isn't that kind of the sort of fault of the com object model kind of thing? Like if you're able to kind of create it based on what they provide? Right? Um, well, I wouldn't use the word fault. It's, you know, Excel has been around Benefit. for 50 years. So you know, this was what, you know, back in the day before VBA, we used to use things called Excel, Excel macros, which were even more fun. Um, so, you know, it was, it's the evolution of this amazing product called Excel and why they never separated those out. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar business and now it's, you know, Excel in the cloud and whatnot, 365. And I don't, it is what it is. And in fact, I worked as, you know, I've done consulting gigs with companies. You know, I've been in companies that were consulting companies. And one guy, I remember one time, went up to Cornell University, and he was brought up there to tie in the Excel real-time engine from Microsoft. They were building what they call a real-time engine, which basically was an attempt to decouple the Excel what it, from what you visualize, you know, the actual rendering of the, the worksheets and whatnot, separating that from, from the product as a real-time engine because they were doing a genomic product up in, in Cornell as uh, uh, professors and whatnot. So Microsoft was going to provide them with a way that they could do it. It worked well for Cornell, and I was hoping that they would at some point release that as a, they did, but they never really pushed it or maintained it over the years. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice if they did. I have no idea why they decided not to, but anyway. It's always I'm always fascinated with how critical marketing is because how often is there an amazing tool that is been working like the Cornell thing and you can get it, but there's no, 
there's no word behind it. There's no marketing, so it never takes off. It's. I wonder how many great ideas have just died from n- no marketing push. Oh, a- absolutely. And is it the no marketing push as a an oversight or an intentional? I mean, I you know I don't. Un- there are a lot of things that they're like, hey, we're not going to support that. The other thing interesting that that I want to note is, um, so in the Python world, there's something called pandas, which is a really impressive library. It's been around for a bunch of bunch of bunch of years. And uh, there's a couple other products that I, I know of that came out in the Python space that also deal with Excel. And what I, and I never used, I didn't never, I didn't never use these products or knew of them when I built what I built, but pandas does a lot of what my stuff does. And it's been around in, in Python for quite a while. And I'm like, I'm, I was, and I sit back and I think, did I know about that? And then I just kind of forgot about it. And just, then I made up how to build this thing. And then there's a thing called, there's a couple of other Python packages that do similar things and there's books on it. And these people sell them as, as they sell that tool. Like I would sell, would sell something like import Excel. Um, and people in the Python space use it all the time. They, this is just part of their data science bread and butter. Um, so it's more than just like, okay, take this and make reports. They do analysis. They do data scrubbing. They do, um, you know, figuring out, like I got, all this tons of data and I need to figure out distributions and curves and whatnot. So yeah, it's uh, got a lot of capability, but I don't know why Microsoft doesn't promote certain things. In fact, uh, you know, the name Vito Guido von Rossum. I'm not familiar. He's the guy that invented Python. So within the last year or so, I, he went and joined Microsoft. And I think he's still there. And everybody in the Excel community got all excited, like, yay, we're going to replace VBA with Python. And we're going to have plug that into Excel. Because in the Python world, Excel and Python and these tools go hand in hand for a lot of data analysis. So, yeah, it'd be nice if uh, we could extend that over in our space. So, um, goodness gracious, thank you so much for that detail about Import Excel. If you haven't used it yet, dear listeners, now is a great opportunity to start. Check out the GitHub. There's a readme there. You can get started. There's a lot of presentations on it. Um, do you have any videos on your YouTube? Absolutely. Oh, I, I've got about five, go. five or six videos uh, on my YouTube. I think I sent you a link on that. I don't know. If, yeah, it'll be in the show notes. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I did, and I, <laughs> I made like five or six videos. They're very short. They're like under, I think they're under five minutes each about different parts, slicing and dicing data, you know, impact of uh, visualizations. Um, and I just did that after a couple of beers and on a whim, I was like, yeah, let me see if anybody's interested. And I didn't really get much of a, you know, response back the two, three years ago or longer that I put them out and they, but they've, they're like my top hits on my YouTube channel. So yeah. Awesome. Now I'm curious to hear when you got into PowerShell, cause you've been talking about VBA way back in the day, all kinds of stuff. We're talking about last century. When did you <laughs> discover PowerShell? almost last century. Um, so I think what PowerShell is about 18 or 20 years old. So Jeffrey Snover wrote a paper called the Monad Manifesto. And I think it's, you can probably, you can still find it on the internet and it's really cool to read. It was cool when he, when he let us see it back in the day, it was, I, I I'm going to say it was his position paper to Microsoft, what he wanted to build. And, um, it was amazing back when we started to see it maybe around version two or three of PowerShell, how many points he was able to hit and that he made come true. So when I got involved with it, 
Um, it was called Monad. That was the, the, I don't know what do you call that? The secret name, I guess, or the, that they had inside of Microsoft. And, um, I was just cruising around the internet back in, I don't know, 2002, three, four, something like that. You know, I, I spend time, like I take time every weekend and more that I just go out and look for new things that are happening in, in programming languages, in the world and data analysis, all kinds of stuff just to go, well, what's cooking. And I'll, I do that every week as often as I can. So I was doing that back then. And, uh, I came across this video by these two guys and it was, uh, they were showing this new command language interface from Microsoft. And at that time, you know, VBScript and WScript and bat files and DOS, you know, DOS was the name, the, uh, it was the brain damaged child of Unix. But anyway, so that was what we were used to. And now I'm like, oh, they're going to make a new command line. What, what, what are they doing? And, um, and it happened to be Jim Truer and Jeffrey Snover demo, demoing the early version of PowerShell. And it was called Monad. And I'm watching it. And Jeffrey Snover, I didn't know who these guys were. And this guy it was Jeffrey. And he gets up and he, and he does this one command. And he goes, check this out. And he goes, get hyphen process. And he pipes it to where. And he puts these two squiggle curly braces, um, dollar underscore handle space hyphen GT space 700. And he hits enter. And then he starts, I'm like, what kind of syntax is that? And then he talks about dollar underscore being the current object in the pipeline. And I'm like, these guys are on mushrooms, man. This is bizarre. And then we start, then he starts talking, they talk, talk about Unix and they talk about Perl. And they talk about how that's a text-based pipeline. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. And he says, that's a part, uh, a parse and pray approach. You have to take your data, parse out all the handles and the names and make sure they're text and make sure they're numeric and then do your comparisons. He goes, that's parsing and praying. If somebody changes your report and moves a column around, your stuff's no, not going to work anymore. I'm like, yeah, I've had that all the time. I get where he's coming from. And then he's like, but this is an object-based pipeline. I'm like, oh my God, I've got to really go deep on this thing. This is pretty amazing. And he did a bunch of other things. I got my hands on, on Monad and I just started playing. Um, and within a very short period of time, I was trying to email people in Microsoft to find out who I could talk to about how I could go deeper on this thing. And um, that was before even one of the first books came out on, on PowerShell called Monad. Um, and I think back in that day, there was no, there was no bulletin board systems that we could go to. There was no way we could contact anybody. There was no community forum. Um, and then I just kept looking for more and more stuff to, that these guys did. And I just kept playing and playing. Then another release came out and I was like, wow, this, and then it, I was like, oh, so this is how this thing works. And I just really enjoyed it and played around with it way too much. I annoyed all my coworkers with it. I was like, check this out. And, uh, a few years later they said, all right, we're going to release it as a real product. And they said, there's a new name. It's going to be called PowerShell. And we all went, what the, <laughs> who came up with that? <laughs> I so don't know. I like there's one thing that's consistent in back when it was Monad, you discovered it, you annoyed all your coworkers with everything it could do, which when I first learned PowerShell, I did the exact same thing. I think awesome. that, that's, that's something that's never going to go away. When someone first discovers it, they're, they're going to ignore their coworkers with all of its excellence, which is awesome. I, I think I did one. It was, it was really cool because I did an internal um, 
we used to do, you know, we all did lunch and learns and I did a lunch and learn back in the day. And I was like, you got to check out this new, uh, new piece, this new scripting language. And I started showing everybody and I was just off the wall, excited about it. And they were like, and some of the guys and I, and everybody was like, yeah, this is great. Can you do a presentation at one of the, you know, we're going to be setting up, we used to set up meeting or event spaces and we'd go and talk and they're like, Hey, why don't you go present there? I'm like, great. And one of the guys in that group that I really respected, um, he was like, you should write a book on this. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I will, which didn't come out to a few years later, but, uh, or I worked on it. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know why PowerShell is exciting. I, I've, I've forgotten, but even to this day, I'll do things with it and I'll go, oh my God, I can't believe we can do that. That's like really bizarre. Like, and I, I don't take it through the normal paces of like spinning up things in the cloud and whatnot. I don't do that kind of stuff. But like, if I program, I program with it and I go, and I'm amazed at what I can get done in a few lines of code. That's exciting. Yeah. You got your MVP in 2009. Was that a result of the book or were you doing other things in the community? Were you a champion for PowerShell early on? You mentioned there not being many like uh, forums or community meeting spaces. Did you eventually find some? What was that whole situation? That's a great question. Um, that was 2009. So, yeah, I was... Um, so at some point I was like, yeah, I think I, I want to, I want, I want to write a book. And I was, and for a number of years, I was, I was like, how am I going to teach myself how to write? Now, I can't just think about it. I can't read about it. How can I do it? I had published in, in magazine or in journals in the mainframe. And that was a huge annoying process because it has to get peer reviewed, all kinds of nonsense. And it, it, anyway, it was just a lot of work and, and you potentially don't get it. So in the early 2000s, maybe even earlier, I was like, I'm going to start trying to blog. Um, so I decided I was going to start writing. And yeah, so about earlier than 2008, I think seven, I had my own WordPress blog and I started um, blogging about stuff I liked. And PowerShell was one of the things. Again, annoying my, my people I work with because my boss at the company, he was like, I want other people to blog like Doug does. And they're like, oh, <laughs> damn. And I'm like, I was just sit there and go, Hey, I found three commands and the blog. <laughs> and you know, I was doing things like that. So the funny story about uh, me getting an MVP, this brings actually James Brundage into the picture. So one of the ways that I've always learned is that, you know, I go out and look for people who publish in magazines back in the day, right? That was how we learned. We bought books. We, as online forums came to be, people would put their source code up there. So we, the way we did it back in the last century was we would go and find that code and then we would look at it and we'd try to learn the tips and techniques and what made sense, what didn't. Um, so around 2007, 2008, I was doing the same thing. And I came across some thing that Microsoft was doing. I don't remember what it was. And they had hired a company or a bunch of consultants down in, uh, I think, South America to help wrap some stuff they were doing with PowerShell. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, let me check this out. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, these guys are doing it wrong. It's, there's optimizations that could be done here. I'm like, let me give it a shot. And I made some changes. I don't think we were doing GitHub back in, at that point yet. So then I posted it back. And the program manager from Microsoft saw what I posted and he told me he tried it and he said it was like a thousand times faster than what the consultants did and would I consider helping out? And I was like, sure, I, I don't mind. And um, he goes, I have somebody from, he said, he, I have somebody from the PowerShell team that wants to join and work on this project as well. He has to get authorization. I was like, all right, sounds like a plan. And a couple of weeks later, all three of us are, uh, get connected 
And who's that person? It's James Brundage. And all I knew was that he worked on the PowerShell team. And I'm like, I'm going to get some excellent education. So it's James Brundage. And all of a sudden, you know, he's that, that project went by the, the wayside. We did some stuff for it. And then he and I stayed connected. Um, and then he started building some really cool things. And I was building some stuff. And we, um, within about a year or two, he said, hey, I'm going to nominate you for MVP. And I was like, I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds like a plan. And I was blogging at the time. Um, and I think Codeplex might've been up, which was the Microsoft's response to GitHub. So I was putting stuff on both of these things. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so he, he nominated me. They accepted me in, in 2009. And then a couple of years late, I was doing public present. I was going to, you know, meetups. They weren't called that back then and code camps and conferences. And I was talking about PowerShell. And, uh, and then one day I was given a presentation at one of the uh, conferences and at the end of my conference, this woman approached me. She says, Hey, would you consider writing a book? I'm like, yeah, who are you? She goes, I work for O'Reilly. I'm an editor. I'm like, let's do this. And there was an experiment for them. There weren't that many PowerShell books out if, if, if but if maybe a handful, if that many. And, uh, she gave me a shot and I wrote it and I was like, all right. And uh, so Brundage got me the MVP and then I got me the recognitions uh, in the communities. And then uh, O'Reilly tapped me and then uh, it's been cool ever since. Awesome. And nowadays you're still at it, right? You're still busy. You have the uh, New York PowerShell user group, right? Mm -hmm. You have your YouTube channel, you have your blog, you have your projects. You got a lot going on. Um. They're all cool ways to, for me to stay creative, right? So after you, after you write for a while, like if you write, you know, if you write articles and posts and all that kind of stuff, um, it becomes very, you know what you're doing when you approach a blog, right? You, you know that, okay, I, I, can, I can knock out a title and I can change it and I can come up with a bunch of paragraphs. Or if I'm working on something that I think will be cool, I, take, I can take notes um, like I want to talk about A, B, C, and D. So it's really, it, it becomes simplified. And then those things, those notes can not only feed the blog, but they also feed a script to do a video, right? So you learn how to repurpose your work without sitting down and having, when it's, when you first start doing it, it's an, it's a mon, as you know, like Bill, you know, doing this kind of a podcast the first few times, it's like, oh my God, I don't even have a checklist to get this thing fired up. Right. So when I was doing my virtual meetups, I would have to write a, a list of notes of what all the different things I had to make sure was working and up and running and the things I had to talk about. And now I, I could probably start a podcast in like 10 minutes, you know, and because uh, I'll just wing it and figure things out as I go. And it's the same thing with writing code. Somebody was talking about, I apologize going off another tangent, but they, um, they were saying like, wow, you know, I... I I, I look in my directory and I can see when I used to use ice or I use visual studio code, I have like untitled 72.ps1, you know, so meaning that they've, they've done 72 PS one concepts that are just called untitled. So I went to one of my old, old directories that I used for a number of years early on. And I used to call it posh. I put all my things in there, all my concepts that I was, oh, let me try this. Let me try this. Some things take hold. And I did a, I scanned and I had like over 3000 PS1 files, not including PSM ones and PSDs. So I had over 3000 PS ones and about a million lines of script. And I was like, so that's cool. And then the thing is, is that when you 
the more you practice and exercise this muscle. So if I sit down and it's time for me to code, I'm not going to sit there and start guessing at names and functions and what should go where and how. I've been just doing it way too long. And then that becomes articles and blog posts and videos and books and stuff. So can I say, I know uh, Steve Voldinger will occasionally hop on Twitch TV and do live coding. <laughs> if, if you ever decide, like, oh, I'm just going to hop on Twitch and do some PowerShell, please email me first because I, I, I definitely want to witness that. Well, if you look at Twitch, you'll see there's something called PowerShell Doug. So I oh. tried that. I tried that and I did a couple of them. Um, and the only reason I stopped was, you know, getting an audience is, is, you know, I like to like, I like to, I like to code when I feel like coding, yeah. you know, which, which is a lot, but you know, it's, I don't like to like, okay, this next Wednesday or next Saturday, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So then getting people, rallied to come and watch is a, is a challenge because they need to have advanced notice right so but yeah i did that a couple of, uh, remember the name uh tyler uh leonhard i think yeah. his name yeah. yeah so he he really inspired me because he would get on twitch and he would do uh you know extending the powershell extension in vs code and a whole bunch of other things and you know i really i learned a lot from how he does things he's super smart he is a super smart guy um and then i was like oh this is a whole may i'm going to go check this out so and then the problem was i wasn't into obs and all those pads and whatnot and setting that up and my frame rates were dropping and i didn't have enough viewership so i couldn't get out like all right i'm done <laughs> so that makes sense i know if you hear those sirens but that's just a good sign that you're killing it here <laughs> i did i heard sirens on my side that, that's what it is you're you killing it too. <laughs> yeah no that's just living in new york city that's called tuesday <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Now, you've been working on a new project that I've been having a ton of fun with. It's a very relevant subject. We talked about it on a few of our podcasts recently. And uh, Jordan, what 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 are we talking about right here? We're talking about AI. Woo! Yeah, your PowerShell AI module is quite cool. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, thanks for asking. Um, I will tell you a little bit about it because I only recently, I think I, I just did a presentation on my on my virtual meetup, I did like a, almost ninety minutes on it and GPT and stuff like that. And I'm have I have another one scheduled a week from Thursday. So if people want to jump on my meetup, they can see my I'll be doing it. I'll do it at nine o'clock in the morning my time, so that it's easier for folks in the UK and Belgium, Netherlands, and Sweden. After it, they, people were saying, "Hey, I couldn't make it. It was way. It was like twelve o'clock and one o'clock in the morning." and so I was like, all right, I'll do it again. I'm happy to do it. So PowerShell AI. Um, so without giving too much away from my other presentation, the, um, yeah, so this, you know, being around the industry as long as I have, I've watched AI and machine learning and NLP, natural language programming, um, you know, start to come up in a day. And it was really cool what people could do. And, uh, and then it went into the AI winter, as they say, where not much, ha you know, things, people were doing stuff, but no real breakthroughs. And, you know, we've all watched it and we all sit around again, go out to dinner, have a couple of glasses of wine. And we bring up the topic of NLP and AI and everybody goes, ah, that's all BS. Look at that. I filtered myself. Ah, that's all BS. And, uh, it'll never go anywhere in NLP and it's not that good. And okay. And so about. Have you heard of GitHub Copilot? 
so GitHub Copilot, um, it's so, and that goes, so OpenAI popped up on the scene two, three, four years ago. I think it's been around longer than that. And um, so GitHub Copilot came out and being an MVP, I had ac early access to it. So I've been playing, I've been using it for a number of years already. Uh, and I was like, this thing is, this thing's alive. <laughs> I'm like, I, how do they do this? And then all of a sudden they start doing other, you know, they start releasing other pieces and they talk about GPT, generative pre-trained transformers. Um, and what the heck is that? And then about a year ago, I think it was at MS Build or at the Build Conference. conference. Afterwards, they released this module and OpenAI had, had all of a sudden had a REST API that you could make queries to. I'm not going to go into what REST API is. Hopefully most people know. If not, they can look them up. And so I was like, and as soon as I see REST API, I think invoke REST method and I'm off to the races. So I was like, so they released it at MS Build and it was a Python piece that connected to the REST API and they wrapped a bash shell that can interact with it. And then they wrapped PowerShell that can interact with the Python and they showed how you could use it from the command line. And I'm like, Whoa, this is more magic. So I got I, I got into it and I started looking at it and I was like, well, this is really cool, but a lot of people in the PowerShell community are not gonna do, you know, download Python and hook it all up so they can run this thing. I was like, well, let's let me take a look under the covers of the Python. I'm like, okay, let me port it all to PowerShell. Okay. So let's make a native, a native implementation. And I did. And then I tapped, I get, I'm guessing most people know who Steve Lee is, right? Yeah, guest of the podcast. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did do that. Yes. So, so Steve. So, on or about that time last year in May, so I reached out to Steve and I said, "Hey," and I, and I was, you know, puffing out my chest, and I was like, "I built this thing that wraps the open AI, and it's all good." And I and I reach out to him, and, I, and and he responds to me, "Oh, here's my GitHub. I already published it." I'm like, I was like, "Oh man, that was a waste of a weekend." And so he had done the same thing, and then we started talking about you know, this whole AI thing. And he, you know, he's, he can only say so much because he's at Microsoft and Microsoft's invested in open AI. Hope this is not a long way to tell you what this thing does. So he, and then all, you know, I, again, it was like learning. It was like seeing PowerShell again. So I started bothering all everybody that I know about AI. I'm like, check this out, this GPT thing. And oh my God, and you can do this and ask it questions and it comes back and responds to you. So, and I had a small module and, um, and I didn't publish it for until like a month or so ago. And I've just been playing with it and learning about transformers and learning about GPT and what does it mean and how deep do I have to go to make, make have fun with this thing. And they've really democratized how you can interact with these large language models called LLMs. And that's what OpenAI is. That's what ChatGPT works on. Well, well that's what ChatGPT wraps. That's what GitHub Copilot wraps. That's what my tool wraps. So, and if you want to learn more, please join me a week from Thursday. So much for the commercial, um, <laughs> selfless plug. So what does it do? So GPT, basically you ask, you can use, so somebody, there's a guy on the internet, there's a guy on, on Twitter. I can't pronounce his full name. Well, maybe his name is like, like Andrej Karpathy. I think that's his name. He's the previous director at, for AI at Tesla. So that should already go. Oh, this guy's pretty good. And he also was a director at OpenAI. And who also helped found OpenAI? Elon Musk. So all this AI stuff with this, if you watch the people, you can see the teams where they go. So 
Andre tweeted the other last week, I think it was, and I retweeted it. And he said, the hot new programming language is English. So let me say it again. The hot new programming language is English. And if you learn how to work with AI with this GPT models, um, there's ways that you, just like we used to learn, we, I'm sure you guys, I was, I was around before Google was invented, right? But when Google popped onto the scene, you had to learn how to do searches. Well, how do I do this? And what keywords do I use? How does the engine kind of work? Well, it's the same thing with this. And now with this PowerShell AI piece, you can do it all at the command line. You can do them in your scripts. You can use them whatever way you want. And you, I use it as like, oh, I want to ask some questions. Um, so you can actually type with my module, GPT, open quote, and then you write your question and it will go off to these models, pose that question similar to how ChatGPT works and then give you a response. What mine doesn't have yet is it doesn't track your conversation, right? So if I track the conversation you start having, then I would actually take that conversation and then pass it back to the model again with your new part of the, your conversation. That's how ChatGPT works. It has, so it gives it a memory, so to speak, in quotes, and it gives it context. That, that way you can actually start to have a conversation with it like, hey, wh why don't you tell me, like my, I'll give you a little hint what I do in my, my presentation. I'll go in into ChatGPT and I'll say, using PowerShell, show me all the even numbers from one to 10. And it comes back with a PowerShell snippet, a piece of code that actually works. Next, I get a prompt and I go, I can now have a conversation. And then I'll say, now do odd numbers. That's all I'll say, now do odd numbers. And it comes and remembers the conversation. It remembers what it said. And now it gives me the same thing. And it just shows me how to do it without to get odd numbers. And then I can go on and have a continued conversation with it in that on programming languages or anything else I want. So I took that stuff, wrapped it into a module uh, and did a couple of other really cool pieces called Copilot at the command line, AI at the command line. They both do different things than straight GPT. But join me a week from Thursday and we can drill down on that. Uh, AI, it's always been the question is like, when is it going to become the next thing? But without, we haven't been seeking out guests for this, but we had Barbara Forbes who talked about the uh, co-pilot. Uh, Steve Lee, who mentioned his own side project was using AI within PowerShell. Uh, we have a guest who I think episode's going to drop. I, I guess next week doesn't mean anything for those listening to this, but Dan Franciscus, who talks about the value of it for digital experience for users. Cool. And now you're here with your your module. So without seeking it out, we just bring in guests that know PowerShell, and it, the common theme is quickly becoming AI is the future. So I think it's it's uh, start start learning it now because it's just going to become more prevalent. Um, I'm a little biased, <laughs> so my answer is absolutely, of course. One, I have one slide in my presentation, and I'm not going to go through the pieces just showing what's coming in 2023. Uh, and it's not just from Microsoft and it's not just from OpenAI. The game is on. And in fact, Google have brought back the original founders because to compete with AI because of what ChatGPT is showing so that Google can compete with this. And Microsoft just invented, invested something like $10 billion in OpenAI. They've allowed, they invested a, at least a billion plus prior. OpenAI runs all in, in the cloud on Azure. Um, and we'll throw another piece in. I'm giving away too much from my talk. A week, <laughs> if I haven't said it's a week from Thursday. I think that by the time this is posted, it'll be like four days prior. Oh, awesome. So, 
Also, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. So there's nobody going to hear this. All right. Well, last week when I did the presentation, um, which was awesome, by the way. Well, awesome. thank you. I'm glad you were able to show up. <laughs> the um, so even so, the, it's an interesting triad. So you have OpenAI, and Microsoft's been involved with them for a long period of time uh, because of the cloud stuff. You've got Microsoft and OpenAI, and then you have NVIDIA, and NVIDIA has been producing. Are come have been producing and are coming up with their next release of their their hardware, I think called H one hundreds, and what this is, it's specifically tuned for the transformer models that are in what OpenAI and these other tools are using, right? So it's specifically tuned for that kind of vector math and the ML, the whole nine yards. Not only for how it works with us as consumers, but also from an AOPS, AI ops perspective. Meaning these these people are training. AI, the GPTs on a regular basis, huge, huge, huge amounts of data from the internet, from corpus of text humans have written over decades and decades and hundreds of years, and then tuning it and doing embeddings. So NVIDIA is providing that, Azure at scale is providing the solution, and then the, the data scientists and the AI geniuses in OpenAI are tweaking the models and providing um, Play things like ChatGPT and and the GPT Playground. If you I don't know if you've seen that yet, uh, that was prior to ChatGPT. Um, that are up there that you can actually exercise these things out, and then you can then come to PowerShell AI and start playing with this thing and going, well, how can I use this to make my become ten times more productive in my own job? But then can I bring this to my company and help them automate AI operations? And what are we going to do with it? So yeah, I think it's important. And I think it's going to be huge. Well, you were on the ground floor with Monad, so I'm going to go ahead and trust you. If you see something like this is going to be big, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to trust you. Well, I'm trying to think now what things I would have been. Well, there's there's definitely been things I was way definitely behind with Microsoft that became uh, went on the old uh, into the old bit bucket with Microsoft. So um, that's it. We're not worried about those. We're talking about successes here, and uh, <laughs> you, you've got the big ones. Yeah, definitely. A uh, one of the slides I have. See, I'm going to keep dropping hints. Um, up front in my slide deck, I say, and I think I've actually tweeted it, and it's on my it's on the uh, GitHub repo for my, my AI module. I say AI, and it's not my staying, but anyway, um, AI is not going to replace you. Someone knows how to use it, use AI. That person's going to replace you. Um, I can I can do things. So, like you said, I think Barbara, you said was using GitHub Copilot. Mm -hmm. You can do things. You can do things without even knowing GitHub Copilot is installed, and all of a sudden it's giving you suggestions. You're like, where the hell did it come up with that? I want, yes, do that. So uh, it's just really cool. All right, well, I mean, now that we've got the easy stuff out of the way, <laughs> are, are you ready? Do you think you can handle the common parameters? Common? <laughs> Get which ready. The, oh. the common parameters oh, oh, is yes, three yes. questions. Yeah, I saw those. I was like, oh, goodness. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So number one, what's one time something went wrong on the job? How did you handle it? And what'd you learn? Uh, I love that question. And I was thinking about it and I was like thinking, I've never really been an application. I've been an application developer for my pretty much my entire career. So I'm never really involved and I'm not a system admin. So I've never been involved with pushing stuff to production like that or pushing my, like my system will break production, but I'm not the one responsible. Like I might get a call the next day, like, Hey, we got to, you messed up production last night. Okay. You know, but the one thing that messed up that I thought was hilarious is back when visual, um, 
Visual Studio Code first came out. And um, Dave Wilson was building the, uh, I don't know if you know that name. And Dave Wilson was built, he built the original setup of uh, the PowerShell extension. And, uh, and I was like, that was another thing. I was like, this thing rocks. It's the future. So at a, here in the city, we did like an all day Saturday uh, conference and I, I went to speak and I knew all the founders and the people who were running it. And I was going to do a talk on Visual Studio Code and the PowerShell extension. So I get up and I'm in front of a couple of hundred people and I'm demoing this new thing. And um, for whatever reason, during my, while I was doing my presentation, like I would do something and then I would go to the command line and I would delete the files that I was doing and then I'd rerun it and show how things work. And at some point, I went back early in the presentation, 15, 20 minutes out of my hour presentation. I went back to the command line and I, for some reason, I did an RM star hyphen force. I think I missed the dot TXT on it. I have no act. And I'm right. up in front of a couple of hundred people. I hit it and then it, it, it instantaneously, I, like, I just erased my entire presentation. And I was <laughs> like this, and I'm looking at people and I'm like, okay, do I bow to the gods and say, and they pounded me to the canvas and I give up and I'm thinking and I'm like, and I'm smiling and I'm like waving my hands or whatever I'm doing. And then I realized, oh, wait, I'm connected to the internet. All that stuff's in my GitHub repo. And I went to the command line and I typed git clone, the name of my repo, and I pulled my entire presentation down. I was like, and then I was like, do you people realize what just happened? <laughs> and so that was... Uh, and I'd never done that before. And I'd been speaking for quite a while in public. I never lost a machine or a power source or a disk drive while presenting. And that was like, the. and later that, that night after the conference, I had to go home and change my pants, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was all good. But wait, wait to think on your feet. Oh, pure luck. <laughs> pure I, luck. I, I did something similar when I accidentally deleted my system 32 folder, only there was no recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. No recovery. I once had a, when we first got, oh my God, I'm going to show my age. When we first got PCs on a larger scale back in the mainframe days, and one of my, my boss came out of, <laughs> he was like, he could see that I could play, I knew how to work with PCs for some reason. So he was like, oh, I got my, he got his PC and he was all happy. He was going to do some stuff and he was a tech, he was a techie. And he comes out of his office and he goes, Doug, I just, what does it mean when it can't find command.com? What is command.com? I'm like, what did you do? And I go back and look and sure enough, he had done a delete in the root C root directory and he deleted command.com back in the day. And that basically took out also the operating system. And I was like, I just laughed. And it was like, yeah, there's no recovery from that that I knew of at the time. So see, I can see you guys don't know what command command.com is hilarious. <laughs> IT guys. Um, so people sometimes call me the tech historian. So yeah. Um, but that was back in the DOS days. That was the only way you could run and boot your PCs. So he, and he deleted his like a, a smart man that he was. <laughs> All right. Well, one down. Are you ready? It gets more difficult from here. I hope, yeah, I hope, you, think, I hope you don't think that you can coast now because now we're getting to the real difficult stuff. <laughs> All right. Wait, wait, till you, wait till you hear my questions to you two guys. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. Oh, I'll just kill the recording. That's how I'll protect myself. <laughs> Whoops, it's lagging. Sorry. <laughs> With what you know now, what's one tip you would give your younger self when you were first starting out? Oh, dude, I, that was an awesome question. I like that question. Usually that, the, that question, the question that comes up there is like, what superhero do you think you are? <laughs> um, but yeah, well, so I would give myself a compound phrase, I figured. Um, Maintain, maintain curiosity, 
be ruthless at being curious and be ruthless at staying, uh, not staying in your lane. And what, so what does that mean? So early on, even though whatever job I had, for some reason, I'd always be like into, well, what's the next, what, what, what cool technologies other people are other people working on? And I would f- find out or people would come find me and tell me about stuff. And um, my, pe- my, not even my bosses, my peers in, in, in the group would say, why are you playing with that? We don't do that. That's not what we do on a day-to-day basis. And I'd be like, this is really fun. Check, check out what you can do with this thing. And it was like, no, that's not what we do. And I was, you know, I was a mainframe assembler coder at that point. And I was playing with tools like SAS and whatnot. So I never, I didn't like that they did that. I never let them stop me from doing it, but I always questioned staying in my lane. Like, oh, you know, I'm an assembler coder. I'm in a mainframe. This is what I do. Um, And I wish I would have been more ruthless. And I became more ruthless over time because I was like, you know what? You stay in the lane. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever this stuff interests me. And staying curious is part of that because that gives you drive. If you're if you're curious, you know you're gonna go. And 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 just to kind of like give the caveat, it depends on your risk profile, right? So if you're not if you're adverse to risk, don't do it. But if you want to learn, you know this isn't you know people sometimes say, well, what what do you do after you leave the job? I say I go home and do the real coding. You know I I'm not gonna I stay at work to do whatever they need me to do. And that's usually 20 years behind the times. <laughs> Sorry. That's, they're just, they're just funding your real coding. <laughs> that's how I see it. You know, so, you know, stay curious and don't stay in your lane. And if you're up for it. All right. Are you ready for the last question? Yeah, please. And, and, and mine, you can feel free to use all of your own modules if you're feeling like it. <laughs> what are your three favorite modules? You know, that, that one was the most, that one threw me for the biggest loop. And I'm like, I don't know if I even should be honest about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, I looked at my system. I'm like, do I use any other modules? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't. Now I apologize to the great module creators out there. Um, well, that's not true. I don't have any that I've kept. I've definitely I go on PowerShell Gallery a lot and I check out what's going on. I search through github all the time see what people are doing um but my top two favorite at this point my top favorite of course is import excel it's i use it all the time and uh the more i use it the more things i go oh i can add this and this and this too so it's just that cool it it keeps on it's a gift that keeps on giving and of course now recently powershell ai it's just beyond cool um to me and the one other module that i do use all the time all the time is pester. And that's because, you know, I come from <laughs> show my age again. So back in the, in the late nineties, Kent Beck and Eric Gama invented, um, they, they modernized and they evangelized and made, put it into the public consciousness about unit testing. And they had something called J unit. I think it was called J unit for Java. And that was back in the nineties. And I remember reading an article about it and I came back and I was running some team on some startup. I was like, okay, here's what we're doing. We're going to build VB unit. We're going to write, we're going to build a unit testing framework for VB. And then a couple of years later, we're like, we're now going to build one for C sharp, which later became um, a a dedicated company. We started building and did a much better job. Um, But unit testing is something that we learned a long time ago. And it's like, it can save your butt 
It's extra work and it will save your butt. So yeah, so import Excel, PowerShell AI. Sorry, those are my two modules that I wrote. And uh, Pester. <laughs> They're worth it. They're worth it's it. Worth it. Yeah, it's, uh, it was also uh, Fred Weinemann also used a lot of his own modules. And I, I, I think there's some people they've earned the right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at some point, like, you know, there's a lot of really cool modules out there, but you know, it, they do certain things and I think they're great. And, uh, you know, I'm just not in that kind of, a, I'm a, I make tools and there's not a lot of tool, tool modules out there to help me make tools. So, but the one tool, mo tool module out there that's going to help me write tools is PowerShell AI. Am I beating that horse? No, enough? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm actually, I have a buddy that's diving in to the deep end of PowerShell for the first time. I've been long time trying to get him. I'm, I'm going to send him your YouTube link so he could watch that because it's it's going to be a game changer for him. Excellent. Excellent. And do me a favor when you, you know, it, just mention these, hey, you know, I'm, and they most probably won't, but it'd be, I'd love to hear feedback like, like, hey, this was great or not. Just simple stuff. Like they don't have to sit and write like five paragraphs and put it on the thing and, you know, just like, hey, this was great. I tried this one, you know, helps every, helps me, helps everybody. Yeah, definitely encourage our audience to be proactive with that feedback. We always try and tell them file issues. As a module author, it's massively helpful. Even if you don't solve the problem for somebody, you can at least identify, okay, people are struggling with this particular feature. Maybe it needs a change or maybe a documentation fix or something or just being aware of it. But it's Absolutely. all good data. It, it's a brand new module. It's a great time to get in on the ground floor of something that's great. Thank and you also, yep. When it comes to setting up the PowerShell AI module, it's pretty simple. You just, from my understanding, is you sign up to PowerShell, or sorry, OpenAI. You get an account. You just grab your API key. You set it as an environmental variable, and then you're good to go. Absolutely. And just to speak to that, there are people already on my uh, on that uh, repo. They're like, "Hey, how can we wire in secrets? You know, secrets management to it." I'm like, "Yeah, sounds great. Put up some suggestions." One person wanted to rewrite my entire module just so it could handle secrets. I was like, "No, that's not going to happen." But I'm like, you can make a helper function that does this and this and this and then pass in. So, but it's good because they get to learn. I get to see what people are doing and uh, everybody's happy. Awesome. Awesome indeed. All right. Well, I don't know if you know this, but if Andrew was like, there's a module, Andrew is the import Excel of shilling. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can track shilling downloads, but I think he's around two million. Uh, I'm I'm about seven hundred thousand of myself because I can't get enough. Well, you but, know that that's that's interesting. You bring that up because when I became an MVP back in the day, there were of course there were people that were really happy for me, and there were a lot of people that were angry because like you know it make that's just the way the world works. And one of the guys, a lot of smart people came, would come to me and go, "You're just." Shilling from Microsoft. <laughs> and I turned to him and I go, You're absolutely correct. Look at all the free software I get. But maybe I should open up an MVP process for Import Excel. Maybe you should. That's a decent idea. So, do you guys blog about it? About Import Excel? <laughs> no, about uh, the MVP process. No, I'm, I'm going to be a wise ass. I apologize. Yeah, do you have you do? Well, you got to have to have some kind of public facing capability. So, I, you know, we can go, Hey, this is. It's, I'm sure you, every time you see somebody and you talk to them and you go, Hey, have you tried this out? Or you see something that somebody's doing, you know, you go in there and go, Hey, I got a little bit of magic sauce you can do here. So but do, you, do you, do you write for the public or do you do videos on it? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to put stuff. No, no, no. So, uh, we don't get to focus specifically on 
PowerShell just because we do it through a company at PDQ. Uh, so sometimes I get to write PowerShell. Sometimes it's it's whatever the person in charge of SEO tells me that I need. But sometimes it lands on PowerShell and that makes me very happy. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, right. I have a personal blog that I've written some stuff on. But since working for the tech company, I've written some Power, like PowerShell secrets. I think I wrote a blog on. I think I have one out for Toast notifications, just a handful. Uh-huh. But but this year I'll be putting a lot more out there. So Now I can't remember. He was, on, he was on my, uh, I can't remember his name. This is ridiculous. Oh, uh, Josh. Josh. Was he, was he, he was on, uh, Josh guys. Yep. Yeah. He's uh he's a good guy. No, not yet. Oh, not yet. He, he hasn't been on this yet, but he's a big mentor for me long-term. So good friends with a guy and he's awesome. done oh, a ton awesome. to help me oh, over the years. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I think he, he at one Definitely. point was, was but either. I got a shill. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's got on the shilling glasses, which apparently is the thing we do now. <laughs> I can't just wear these heart glasses forever. Shout out to my daughter Ava for leaving these in here. I figured it was appropriate. <laughs> All right. Thank I you everybody myself, for listening. I have to get myself some shilling uh, glasses now. That'd you cool. will. It it adds something. I don't know. I'm trying it out. We'll see if it sticks. I've worn other glasses in the past. But thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Doug for joining us. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Check out Doug's YouTube in the link below. You can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your podcast platform of choice. There's so many out there. Gosh, that's exciting. You can email us at PowerShell at PDQ.com. Let us know what's up. Let us know if you helped out the import Excel module. Did you open up an issue? Did you make a suggestion? What's up? Let us know. You can find us on uh, Twitter, at PowerShellPod. And Doug, where can people keep up with you? We know you're a busy guy. We want to connect with you more. Where can we find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at DFINK, D-F-I-N-K-E. You can find me on GitHub. Same thing, github.com forward slash dfink, D-F-I-N-K-E. Um, my uh, YouTube is Doug Fink, because I'm not consistent. And uh, my GitHub, my my uh, blog is at dfink.github.io. But maybe you guys could put those in the links, links into the description as well. Right, I'm, I'm out there. I'm on the, also we're on, there's a Facebook PowerShell group. I post, and if you guys get on there, get all the notifications, start up the, the libraries, you'll get notifications. And I plan on a lot more coming and all these different modules and places. So it should be fun. Awesome. Yeah, send me a link to that Facebook group. I'd love to join that. Oh, cool. You're not on that? I don't think so. Maybe I am. Okay, well, no MVP for you. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, we're shooting for it. This is the year of it. <laughs> Actually, we'll get you hooked up and uh, yeah, get you shilling in maximum 10x shilling. I like it. Awesome. Well, thank you so hey, much. For I, I want to thank you, you guys, for inviting me on. A great conversation. Really appreciate it. I like what you're doing for the community and all the different people you're bringing on. It's awesome. Pleasure's ours. Thanks for joining the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. I dig it. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. Mm-hmm.